You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. My name's Stuart Goldsmith and you find me today in Auckland, New Zealand, here for the New Zealand International Comedy Festival. Uh, next week I'm going to be bringing you a, an interview recorded live here that I'm going to record in a couple of days with the brilliant Kerry Marks, who lives eight miles away from me in London. Uh, but I thought it'd be fun to interview him on the other side of the world, obviously over here. Uh, he is as a sort of international exotic flavour um, that we hope will draw some people in. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that uh, interview. I think he's a fascinating bloke. I saw him uh, just last night, bumped into him here at the festival uh, at the bar in the Classic and uh, laid his fears. He, he had a, We had a brief conversation, which uh, normally happens with uh, most of my guests, if I get the chance to speak to them in advance, where they panic and go, I haven't got a process, what are we going to talk about? Don't panic, Kerry, uh, or anyone waiting to hear that one. It's going to be spectacular. I'm very excited about it. This, however, uh, that we bring you now is the very last interview in the whole run of Edinburgh shows that we did last year, recorded live at the Gilded Balloon, uh, with the brilliant assistance of James Lowey and Pete Jones uh, and lots of people from So TV as well, Ant and James from uh, from So TV. Uh, thank you, everyone that made this possible, uh, and I would like to thank my final guest, the brilliant Claudia O'Doherty. Thanks for coming, Claudia. How are you? Thank you for having me, Stuart. I'm very well, thank you. Hello, hello, hello. Marvellous. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your show? This will be the sort of blurb that you've presumably said in lots of different things, but let's just put it in context for those of you who haven't seen it yet. Well, the blurb for this show that's in the fringe guide at the moment is very misleading because I wrote it before I had written the show. (laughs) So it has nothing to do with the show. Um, And you can kind of tell that from the blurb (laughs) because it it makes no sense. What What does the blurb say? I think it just says, something like finally it's happening it's all it's going to be quite spectacular <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's incredibly vague um so this show the idea is that i've got a corporate sponsor and that's why it's sort of this big technical spectacle okay mm. and now that you have a show and it does exist it does let's just could you just tell us what what how you would describe your show what is the finished product well it uh it's got a lot of uh video projection in it i Oh, because I, I worked with a producer this year and I knew that I would be able to sort of do something bigger than I'd be capable of making on my own. And my producer was sort of like, well, what do you want to do? And I saw, I saw uh, a YouTube clip of a keynote for a technology company called Qualcomm at the beginning of the year. And it was just sort of the silliest thing in the world. They had a big okay. holographic uh, film at the front of the stage that the sort of presenters stood behind and they all sort of interacted with it. And sure. it was just essentially like... The stupidest thing I'd ever seen. And okay. Like, well, well, under what circumstances did you see that? How, well, how just come a you friend got sent it to me because he's okay. like, it was funny, a funny thing, and he sent sure. it to me. And it did look, it did look, it sort of looked incredible. But then the people who were doing this presentation just were so, you know, they were just idiots and they had no, <laughs> they really had uh, like zero sort of stage presence. And what they were saying was incredibly boring, but it sure. looked amazing. And I okay. Thought, I thought that would be quite a fun thing to do. Okay. Yeah, so I I said to my producer, I was like, I want the show to look like this. And then we figured out how we could do that with our 
fairly limited budget. Okay. Because it turns out that holographic film costs twenty thousand pounds sure. a meter or something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. And so did you? It doesn't look like that. <laughs> did you? Did you? When when you saw that, did you go, Ah, oh, great! This is the thing that the something's happening thing is going to be. Yeah. I yeah I did. I, I well I was like well that's definitely what I want the show to look like. And then I you know I struggled for quite a while to then sort of figure out what the actual show itself would be and what okay. I would be talking about because. Um, I sort of wanted to, I wanted the jokes to be really dumb and mm. I wanted to make myself look really stupid. <laughs> but I did want it to look exciting and for it to be like an exciting okay. way to spend an hour, hopefully. Sure. Hopefully. And how does it, well, I've seen the show. I loved it. I thought oh, it was very, very exciting. Thank you. How, how, do you, how do you see this show as fitting into the last, I mean, you've done the last four years here at Yeah, Edinburgh? this is my fourth show. Um, I think it is, uh, it's definitely my loudest show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and it's, uh, well, I don't know. I think certainly when I started doing shows, I was very scared of doing shows. And a big thing I was thinking about was like how to make myself tolerable to an audience. Like in terms okay. of like, <laughs> um, you know, just like what kind of jerk would think they could get up on a stage for an hour and everyone should look at them. And so I, I think a lot of it was that sort of like sort of, uh, you know, how to make yourself like palatable and not annoying and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And now it's like, well, I'm just trying to be as funny as I can. Like, I was trying to be funny then as well, but um, I was also very nervous and not okay. very comfortable on stage. And now it's just right where I belong. <laughs> um, so, but you're, you're known for your shows are always, the, the, word, the, the, the phrase that always comes up in reviews of your shows is high concept. Yeah, they well, are high concept. I mean, ph phenomenally high concept. Your soil erosion show was mm, based on mm, you, mm. you had... You, well, that's not even describing the show yet. The, 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 the premise of that show was that you had written your own 26-part TV series yeah. for an Australian broadcaster who hadn't yeah. made it, and you were attempting to cram all of it in an hour to get it out there. Yeah. That was the premise. The yeah. Telescope last year was a show in which you, uh, you were performing... You were, I mean, this is so many levels already. You... <laughs> The key thing about it was that you were performing to a track which breaks yes. down and then yes. you have to fight against that. Mm. But the thing you were performing was about a cursed time-travelling telescope mm. that could see into different... So you were doing mm. several different you know, characters. Yeah. There was a 16th century monk and a New York City cop okay. and a, an Australian, Australian convict washerwoman. Sure. And that was all romantic. done as a sort of a, an arguably straight melodrama yes. that then fell apart. And So there's layers on top of your layers. And mm. this is to say nothing of your show which was set in an underwater oh, yeah. uh, set in the future with the attack of a giant squid that was my first one <laughs> sure yeah. okay so yeah. so did you how did you start making work like this did you yeah. start as like i've got this idea that you were maybe a club comedian doing jokes <laughs> about you know doritos and then you kind of went oh fuck this i'm gonna do an under, underwater thing what was what was your entry into comedy well that show was actually my entry into comedy that first show monster of the deep 3d i had um oh well i no, that's actually not really true i was in a sketch group before that okay with two boys and they uh and we did two shows together one of them we did here in edinburgh okay. and uh what was, what was the group we called? were called pig island okay and uh I, yeah, okay, I saw that. I was I was thinking, I'm, I'm sure I saw you before. Right. And I didn't realise you were in Piggy Island. Okay, that sorry, was me, that yep. was me, the girl from Piggy yeah. Island. Um, yeah, you were so in the turret here in the Guild of Blue. Right. Really? Yeah, that's gotcha. right, and I did my first show, Monster yep. of the Deep 3D, in there as well. It was a okay. very hot, tiny room. And uh, yeah, so I was in that sketch group, and then the two other guys in the group, Charlie's a proper serious actor, very talented. Nick's a proper serious playwright and director, very talented. And I was just like... How did you come to be there? What, how did you... Well, I always knew I, went, I, said, I knew I wanted to do comedy and we'd all met in university and we sort of like, we did reviews together and okay. we're like, okay, let's do a proper sketch show now. Um, but I, I, the idea of doing comedy on my own was absolutely, like it was sort of out of the question because it was such a scary, horrible idea. So, but when you did the Pig Island shows, mm. you, you were, presumably you were going, let's do a comedy show with two people who... I mean, they wanted to do a comedy show despite oh, yeah. being serious. They did want to do a comedy show, but they were also sort of, um, so they're sort of like very smart and theatrical. And there were, there were literally some things in some of the shows that I did not understand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do not know why this is happening, but we're doing it. <laughs> and, um, you know, they, you know, they were sort of, you know, they were very, uh, I I think they were I think they were good. I can't really remember, but they were you know they were mainly funny, but there were occasional sort of like very abstract, mm -hmm. surreal things that 
I didn't understand. And okay. sometimes audiences didn't either. <laughs> um, so but, was there a level by which you were kind of looking at the audience? I mean, that's almost a clown thing of kind of looking at the audience and going, me neither. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Was, <laughs> did, that, did that permeate? Was, do you think well, that was visible in the we performance? Were very, like, we were very like, there's a fourth wall. We're never going to look at the audience and we'll never, you know, it was like a prop, like it was very, it was very theatrical in that okay. way. There was no like talking to the audience or anything like that. And I, And when I started doing comedy on my own, I was like, oh, this is so much easier. This is sure. so much direct just because you're like looking at people and you're like, hello. And then it's instantly so much easier because there's not the, a big weird sure. barrier uh, between you. But then sort of they wanted to pursue their serious proper things and then I, I was like, I definitely still want to do comedy but I was like, okay. well, I guess I'm going to have to do it on my own, which I really didn't want to do. Okay, did it occur to you to find some other people to do comedy with or was not there really. also part I of mean, you that I'm was like... No, I'm pretty, I'm, I, I'm fairly, uh, like, with Charlie and Nick are incredibly talented and very funny people, and I mm. found that I find them very funny, so they were great people to work with, but um, it's really hard to find people to work with in comedy who you're like, mm. I definitely, we uh, find the same things funny, I agree with you, and we can work together, but even then, it's very hard to work in groups, sure. and I was, I was a bit sick of it a bit mm. sick of working in a group because it's just hard to manage three maniac personalities sure. <laughs> and was there an element by which you would you were sort of saying to them come on guys this next sketch should be about a giant squid <laughs> mean, was, was that was that was your kind of creativity ever problematic in that or would, was it allowed free reign it wasn't problem no i think it was just like there were three you know fairly i think there were three funny people and it was you know hard to get it all out in one show okay. often and I was just like I'm sort of lazy and retiring anyway so if somebody else was like I've got this idea I'd just go great let's do that then because I don't <laughs> yeah. have to write anything and so I mean yeah I mean one, I didn't really properly I mean I definitely wrote those shows with those guys but I didn't I don't think I really found my my voice until <laughs> I started doing stuff on my own. Okay. Mm. So let, so talking about that first show or, or from, from the last four that you've done, mm. what's the starting point? Obviously, we've heard with Pioneer, that was you know, the most recent show. You saw that video and thought, okay, I can do this. So that, yeah. that's a keynote thing. But did you, do you approach it in a kind of a, I'm going to write a show about this subject? Or do you approach it from going, I've got to fill an hour, let's find some things to do and then see what happens? More the latter, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Because I felt a bit impertinent asking that. I'm not implying that about your work, but I know everyone, you know, has different kind of. Uh... Yeah. No, it's more like oh, Edinburgh's coming. Sure. Got to write a goddamn show. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then always, you always have to do the. You always have to give the title before you know what the show is, and then mm. give a title. I mean, and always you have a thing in your head which is like, oh, I'd like this one to be funnier, and I'd like this, and you know, often there'll be a thing where it's like, oh, this time I want to be, you know, I I think I should have slightly more personal jokes in it or mm -hmm. stuff like that and so I can't remember what the question is now and the, just the very the very beginnings of the show when you yeah. go okay there's an hour yeah what what is that feeling when you go okay here's here's something that I think has got legs when mm. you started when you did your your own first hour mm. what what decisions were you making when you were going Okay. Oh, it was this, really. This feels like it works. Yeah, it? it was very much like a process of elimination in terms of like what I could get away with because like I wasn't I wasn't a stand up comedian at all, and I you know I'd called it Monster of the Deep 3D because I thought that was a funny title. Okay. And then I was like, well, I do like the ocean, so I guess I could talk <laughs> about the ocean. And then that was sort of had a presentation format, and I was like, oh, presentation format, great. That will give it a structure, and that will. You know, and that will mean I can break it down into bits. So that's sure. much far less intimidating than writing an hour. And even though I, you know, I said my name was Claudia in that show, it was also like it was very clearly entirely made up because it mm -hmm. was the idea was that I was the last surviving member of a small colony that lived under the sea in a government built facility that had exploded a year ago. And then the show was a presentation about our lost society so you know just a normal show same old same old <laughs> same old show so like you know it's really probably like the most like a play of anything i've done okay. but i didn't i wasn't intending to do that. i just wanted to write a comedy show that was funny and making up stuff was much easier for me and it was like just a lot of facts about the ocean i really researched how to actually build a deep sea facility and you know really yeah okay yeah i think that was a that really was a very helpful for writing that show was like there was a lot of research even though you're just meant to write jokes, but I. Was, so um, were you were you finding out about you know the tensile strength of steel yeah. domes and then going 
okay, now I can riff on that. I can find a joke in that. Yep. How do you do that? <laughs> I, I mean, what, what, sort of, what sort of style? Because I'm afraid to say I didn't see that show, but oh, what kind right. of things did you get out of, of, the, of that research? Well, you know, I, just could, you know, I could just talk about like, how everyone had rickets because like, there was no sun <laughs> under the sea and stuff like that. You know, it's like I would just break it down into a presentation and I'd be like, well, there'd be an introduction where I would say who I was and then, you know, I don't know. It was, I don't know how you, how to answer how, how you riff on it. You just riff, man. <laughs> were you and were you were you writing it sort of on your own and mm. then presenting it, or were you presenting bits of it as you went along? Or? Oh no, I, I wrote it. I wrote it all sort of in one go over two or three months, and then I did. I, I mean, this is a horrible thing that I did to my two friends, which is I made them sit there and I did it in front of them sure. to them, which is pretty horrible. Um, and then I did. You did, know, they, did they laugh at some of it? They any did. Of it? Was they it did. Successful it was experiment? very embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they did. They did laugh. But I think they sort of would have had to. And then I did a preview in front of you know like fifty people in okay. somebody's sort of living room slash venue in mm. Sydney, uh, and I, and then I took it to the Melbourne Fringe Festival. Mm. Okay. And that's did it did you win something at the Melbourne Fringe with that I one won, or was that but that was at the end of two thousand and nine. Okay. I won uh Best Comedy and the Brisbane Comedy Festival Award, which was the prize was they gave you two thousand dollars and they sent you to the Brisbane Comedy Festival where no one wants to see your show. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. That, that that's kind of a familiar trope of a lot yeah. of uh, comedy competitions. Yeah. It was they more won. of a punishment, really. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I mean, just from the way you're describing it, there, you had some ideas, you did some research, you threw together, a, or you wrote a, a presentation, and then tried it out. Mm. I mean, what we're like, a lot of people do that, mm. but your work, kind of, when you try it out, you, you know, it's very, it's critically lauded. You're well reviewed. You're obviously onto something. Do you have a sense of what it is that you're onto? Uh, no, I was just so thrilled that like people came to that show, and I didn't get run out of town like i had no idea what was going to happen it was okay. very no you d you have no idea that you're onto anything you know you just have to do it in front of people sure yeah and then when you're when you're a couple of shows later mm -hmm. a couple of shows further into that process are you finding were you doing the same thing like to write pioneer were you researching how that stuff gets made how has your process no. changed i do less i do like sort of with that show i think the research was all a big crutched because I was like I have no okay. idea how to write comedy you okay. know for what for me to say on my own I didn't I had no idea how to do it so the research was really helpful in that regard and then with the next show what is soil erosion um I did do like research on soil erosion but then it was it was much more about like just trying to write a funny show and you know every time it is always more and more about just how to write a funny show okay. um and you know but then there will inevitably be something that i do need to research like with my last show i had to figure out how to get um remote controlled pop-up figures to work because I, I don't think they were yeah no we had them here in edinburgh yeah okay because there were meant to be other characters in the show that were just like big pop-up cardboard things that mm -hmm. i would karate kick the head off Okay. Okay. And when you're in, when you're in the kind of the writing mode, the sort of pre-show couple of months of putting it together. Yes. What does your writing situation look like? Are you sat at a desk with a laptop? Are you making notes in, yeah. you know, on, a, on an app or something or what? It's agony. I hate it. I hate writing so much. That's the listenership of this podcast will be phenomenally pleased to hear that. Yeah, it's <laughs> so it's so horrible. Um, I mainly just like just like look at the internet for a million years, and then I get struck by panic about a month after I meant to have started working and then I start working. But it's real, it's just like, it's just the worst. And every time it feels like it's harder than the last time and you've got no more funny things to do and it's just, it's just really horrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just on my laptop. Uh, I, tr I mean, for my first show, I had this one technique that worked very well that a friend recommended to me. And then whenever I speak to other writers, I'm like, you just got to do this. But I've not okay. been able to do it since then. Okay. What was the, but, what was the technique? But essentially, I was freaking out because I wasn't writing enough. And my friend was like, just put the first two hours of the day aside to write. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you don't have to write at all. And then and you don't have to feel bad about and it. And you don't have to feel bad about it. So instead of yeah. like not starting until five and then getting nothing done and then deciding like, oh, today's a washout. Um, if you just, you know, if you just write for the first two hours of the day, then inevitably like, you know, thoughts are sort of percolating in your head for the rest of the day and you have ideas for the next day. Okay. But um, 
yeah, I haven't had the self-discipline to do that since then. But I mean, okay. that's my hot tip for writing. It really, <laughs> that I it really works one time. It works, <laughs> it works. <laughs> and when you're, when you're actually kind of putting, you know, fingers to keyboard or pen to paper, are you, are you kind of brainstorming ideas? Are you, are you kind of writing lists of, of stuff? What, what actual yeah. form does it take? I write lots of notes. I always have about, you know, by, by the end, there's always about five documents on my computer of like 20 pages of notes. Okay. You know, and like the notes, like bullet, bullet points, bullet of points. Ideas. You know, and they're really a lot of a lot of my notes just say what is funny, <laughs> what is funny, what will be fun to do, okay. what would be fun to see, and then there will just be something really dumb like something with water, you know, and stuff like that. And then, you, like, because I'm all I I don't remember it that well when I am writing a show, and then when I have to write my next show, I'm like, well, what happened last time? Then I always look at those notes, and it's very bizarre because it is like okay. what is funny what what should happen and then there'll just be like a big chunk of the show written there okay. like, well, what happened between those two things yeah so <laughs> okay so annoying that's interesting you, you said it say there's notes or bullet points because something that i think is typical in your work is the sense of collage mm-hmm. because you I, I certainly haven't seen you do like a straight narrative and even your i saw your blaps which are sort of 10 minute oh how long are, how long are blaps they, they five are minutes 5 to 7 minutes 5 to 7 minute mm. things which is now a system that uh, uh, blaps are channel 4 aren't yep. they, in the UK um, and they are sort of a pre pilot uh, thing whereby they give you a bit of money, you make a little five to seven minute thing, and then they see how well it does on the internet and decide whether or not to give you a pilot and mm. then see how well that does. And it's sort of like a pre sort of stage. And and those I, those in particular, I thought were just fantastic. I oh, really enjoyed you. them. They're so fun. You can download them now. You looked like you were having a lot of fun, it was and they fun. looked like they had a, a thousand ideas per episode because they have that almost a quality a bit like something like the day-to-day or brass eye whereby you'll do a a type of uh, there'll be a character and then there'll be a funny uh, kind of caption or a title card and then you'll walk out of that scene into something else and then there'll be a visual gag and then there'll be a prop gag and then you know and it's just sort of ideas on top of your ideas that's so nice thank you very much yeah well that's what I wanted to uh, yeah I wanted to cram as many jokes into them as possible I think there's something about it being five to seven minutes which is uh, you know, it's it's good because you're not like, oh God, how do I feel? How do I feel an hour? How do I feel half an hour or whatever? But you know, if you're like, they tell you that they should be three minutes, and you're like, okay, okay, well, let's try to get as much funny stuff into it as possible. Sure. Mm. And was that was that a similar process where you were going right? I've got, I mean, how long did they take to make? How long was the writing process for the for the, black? the writing process? Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, or were you, were you cannibalizing old work and putting stuff in? A little bit. There, I, there were definitely some, some jokes from old shows. There were definitely a few old jokes from shows, but I wanted to make the idea specific for the internet. So the idea for those videos is that they're um, uh, videos for my family's travel agency's website and that I've come to England to make travel videos. And that's the idea. Because and the travel agency is failing because who needs travel agencies Yeah, anymore? because everyone really just like uses the internet. But do you know I got the saddest email? Oh, I don't know if I should say this. Oh, go on, no, 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 go on. <laughs> uh, a young woman emailed me and she said, um, oh, my sister emailed me your blaps and it, it turns out I'm the real life you. I've set up a travel agency for my family, but it's not going very well because of the internet. And it and but it was very strange because I felt like she was she uh, it didn't it didn't really make much sense because I thought she was asking me to it seemed it seemed like she was about to ask me to do something but she'd forgotten to write that in the email because then she told me more about herself and then she said uh, but I live in Scotland instead of England so what have you got to lose and I <laughs> I, d- I don't know what I don't know what it meant okay <laughs> yeah but I she said please respond to the email so I did but I don't know. Okay. I don't, know if I don't know if she wanted something in particular. But you have yeah. to keep us posted on how that conversation pans yeah. out. <laughs> okay. So you so but when you were so you were creating that stuff, did you find that like was part of you thinking, oh, in the future when I'm writing an hour, I should just try and write three minutes and then overrun? Yeah, well, I mean I think all whenever you do write an hour, you're like even though it is incredibly hard, you're always surprised. You sort of write more than you need and then you're surprised you're like oh I've already got an hour and 20 minutes Mm -hmm. you know before long before you feel like you've written everything you want to write I think so this is Claudia O'Doherty she's clearly a genius if you've not seen her before then you should get yourself to more festivals and look a bit harder Um, but if you haven't then you can check out her blaps which are on YouTube Uh, brilliant little sort of pre-pilot pilot pilot things about five minutes long very very funny they really made me laugh 
Um, and uh, I do hope you get the chance to see her at a festival soon. Um, it's quite difficult to explain the sort of stuff that she does. Uh, I know that uh, compared to a lot of my guests, she doesn't quite have the same sort of standard uh, stand-up straight down the line, person in a microphone kind of angle, very far from it, in fact. Um, but I hope you'll get a sense of what she does from the, the stuff that we're describing in this show. Uh, and I hope that you'll want to seek her out. She's certainly worthwhile. So, as I said, I'm in New Zealand at the moment. Uh, it'll be bringing you Kerry Marks next week and then probably a week off while I work on my show in New Zealand, which here is called He Wolf, but at the Edinburgh Festival will be called Extra Life. Uh, I'm getting all giddy about the design work for that at the moment. That's very exciting. Uh, and also getting giddy about kind of finishing writing it. It's certainly uh, something worth seeing at the moment, but... Uh, Uh, I'm going to spend the next week or two not worrying about the podcast. I'm going to record a bunch of interviews here uh, and then maybe take a week or two off the releases of the podcast, unless I change my mind, uh, or unless the show goes brilliantly and I go, hey, it's finished. So that's that. Um, also, the other the other problem I should mention is that my laptop has burst. So thank you to the people at Sea Stuff in Auckland for taking it off my hands and attempting to repair it uh, in the three weeks it will take me before I go, the three weeks it'll take them to repair it uh, before I go home. So let's hope I get it back in some state in one piece that I can take it back on the plane with me. Um, a couple of things I wanted to mention. Obviously, thank you for your donations. Keep them coming. Brilliant. Very, very, uh, very uh, well received. Thank you to those of you sending me fives, tens and twenties. Very much appreciated. Uh, and particular thanks, of course, to the people who have gone with the pound a show motif uh, and are paying a pound for each show they've listened to. I really appreciate that. It's very, very kind of you. I will, I promise, reply to you all in person. I do get around to that uh, eventually. But as I say at the moment, with a, a burst laptop, I'm sort of winging it with uh, a variety of stuff that I've been loaned. So uh, I'll get back to those as soon as I can. Thank you very much for those donations. And of course, I say particular thanks, particular thanks just for listening. Uh, and I do insist upon thanking everyone, even if you don't pay. Thanks for the people who pay. Thanks for the people who don't. Uh, but perhaps if you don't, you could show your appreciation by simply sharing this podcast with a friend in whatever form you like. Remember, at youtube.com slash comcompod, you can find video highlights, little 10-minute video highlights reels from many of the episodes we've released recently. And thanks to Pete Jones for editing those. Um, that's oh, the, oh, one other thing. Well, two other things, obviously. If you're in New Zealand uh, and you're listening to this uh, within the months of April or May, please come along to the Classic in Auckland uh, on Queen Street. Um, my show He Wolf is nightly at 8.45 from now until the 10th of May. And then I'll be at Wellington in the Hannah Playhouse from the 12th to the 16th of May. Uh, we did the first gig here last night. We did uh, uh, the five-star comedy preview over at uh, the fantastic... I forgot the name of... Where were we? It's all passing by in a bit of a... Oh, we were at Sky City, of course. I can see it out the window. We're in the casino venue in Sky City and it was a packed crowd, so 700 people. And uh, I did that with John Gordillo, Sarah Pascoe, John Robbins... Uh, this is this, I got hosted and this is a bit like the end where I had to go please thank all the acts you saw tonight didn't name them can't remember them thanks a lot there's just so many Michael Legg have I said him already he was fantastic um, Tim Fitzhigham and uh, well I, I literally can't I, I can't forget the last couple of people Donnelly God Chris Martin they were both brilliant um, and Marcus Birdman. I think that's everyone. And uh, love to Johnny and Jen who helped, uh, who basically kind of ran the show whilst insulting us and making us feel bad about ourselves. What lovely people. They're very sweet. So um, that is enough blurb from me. No, it's not. It's not. There's this one thing I wanted to say. I'll try and... Uh, normally I write these down and then read them out to you. And I, I haven't now because I'm, I'm winging it, as I said. I just wanted to mention a thing that I mentioned on Facebook uh, last week. I went to see a gig. I know, I went to actually see a gig and I sat in the audience. This was at the Invisible Dot uh, in King's Cross and uh, I saw a bunch of... Uh, well, the key thing is I sat in the gig. That's the first key thing. I sat in the audience. I didn't float around at the back of the room drinking booze or worrying about the act I was going to do because I wasn't on. So I just sat in the audience and watched a show and you receive it totally differently. I can't recommend it enough. It helped certainly that all the acts I saw, uh, Johnny Pelham, Lolly Adafopi, Phil Wang, the lunatic Matt Ewins, um, and also Jack Barry, hadn't seen him before either. Um, really fantastic acts, uh, compared by the, the always brilliant Mike Wozniak. And um, it, it helped that they were all spectacular and I was really unfamiliar with their acts. So just to sit, all I'm saying really is, if you're feeling a bit jaded ever by comedy, go and see a gig with some people who are brilliant, who you haven't, who you're not, you haven't seen their act 20 times, you know. And it just made me feel invigorated and inspired. And in, in one way, it was lovely to realise that I now feel sufficiently happy about my life as a comic. I know maybe these podcasts have done me some good. Um, sufficiently happy that I could sit there 
uh, feeling inspired and invigorated by watching newer, younger, more exciting people than me instead of feeling jealous and wanting them to fail. Very, very pleased with that. I felt like I'd finally recovered from the process of going through the experience of comedy competitions. Um, So that was very, very exciting. But it just made me feel very uh, enthusiastic about comedy, which I am anyway, I know, that's why I'm doing this. But it, just watching a gig and watching some new people made me feel like a 16-year-old at the Edinburgh Festival going, oh, my God, this is brilliant. So such an inspiring experience. Thank you for uh, an inspiring experience. Thank you for everyone that was on the bill. And particularly to Johnny Pelham, who afterwards said to me, uh, he took me to one side and said, yeah, I called you a prick on stage the other night. We don't know each other well, me and Johnny. He said, I called you a prick on stage. I hope you don't mind. And I go, go on. Uh, and he says, well, what he'd done is he'd heard so many people on this very podcast talking about writing on stage, having some ideas, and then doing the writing on stage. He thought, I'm going to do that. Went on stage, ill-prepared with some half-thought-out stuff, tried to write it on stage, failed miserably, and then to silence on stage said, screw you, Goldsmith, or words to that effect. If that is the lasting legacy I leave to the world of comedy, uh, then I'd be very pleased with that. I'd love to think in 20 or 30 years, people were trying things out, getting it wrong, failing and screaming my name as they fell to their knees. That's all for now. Um, Now let's get back to the absolutely wonderful Claudia O'Doherty. Do you see stand-up comedy? Do you watch other stand-up comedy? Do you watch other sketch shows and stuff like that? Does does part of you, does any part of you, do you have any interest in doing like a a simpler stand-up? Yeah, um, thing. because I noticed particularly in in Pioneer, you there's more stuff in it that feels like stand up, that feels yeah. like one liners. Those are some of my favourite bits. Actually, were you just engaging with the audience? Yeah, um, I do. I do see a lot of stand up, and I'm a big fan. Like you know, I'm a big comedy fan. That's why I do comedy because I love comedy. Um, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I do like because I do. You know, I do more. I do more gigs in London now, where it's like I don't have quite as much AV equipment. Okay. Was that but, part of the, the story in Pioneer True, that you moved to London without telling your family you'd been moving to London? Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's So true. you came here on holiday and just stayed and didn't yeah, tell them that was the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's not very good, is it? So. <laughs> oh, good, yeah. They, they haven't seen that show yet, so... Uh, Never Google alert on my name, so they'll definitely be... Uh, <laughs> okay. They'll be listening to these podcasts, so I'll... I'm going to have to talk to him about that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I want to talk a bit about your uh, persona and how you mm. behave with an audience because I think part of what makes those sections of, of Pioneer really sing is that you do seem to have a natural... Uh, and it's, I, I kind of want to use the word clown-like. I, don't, I, mean, I mean that I'm sort of trained in clown. I'm really interested in clown. Mm. Um, I'm crap at it, but I'm interested <laughs> in it. Um, but do you, have you, does the word clown mean anything to you? Because there's something about that breaking the fourth wall and we feel like we're really in it with you as you're discovering it. Oh, that's very nice. Um, do, what does the word clown mean to me? Is yeah, that does it, is that anything that you've ever... Um, no, like I, over the years, people have been like, you should really go to clown school. I'm okay. like, you should really shut up. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, uh, it tends to be, a th- I, I mean, I just, I, I feel like I'm too grumpy to enjoy going to any kind of school ever again. Sure. So even, even clown school. <laughs> um, it's the worst one. It's the hardest one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It feels like clowns maybe take themselves quite seriously in real life. Is that true? I, no, I don't. No, no? But I, no more so than if you said that about stand-ups. I think yeah, Sunday. exactly. They're all jerks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I don't think about clowning, but if you if I strike you as a clown, that's great. Okay. Yeah. So so in terms of your relationship to an audience, then something you seem mm. to play a kind of a fictionalized version of yourself, mm. which yes. is which is I think it's similar to what a stand-up would do. I do that when I'm on stage doing stand-up, but it's not really fictionalized. It is basically it's it's me turned up to eleven, as they say. Yeah. Um, and what are your feelings on that? Because you, I don't know how much you're telling the truth on stage. Yeah. But there's there's something that really zings about your relationship with us. Do you, do you feel that? Do you oh, feel like, oh, nice. I'm, I'm on it now. This is, this is flowing. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know if I'm like, this is zinging. I'm zinging right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, you feel like a show's going well and you try to sort of connect to the audience and make them feel like something fun's happening and everyone's part sure. of it. Um, do you feel like you're revealing yourself? Do you feel like you're expressing and revealing yes like, and the, no. the real you? I mean, my persona on stage is like, it's like an idiot jerk version of myself so it's like but a lot of the stuff in this show is true but then there are other things which are just 
deeply untrue. It's just trying okay. to be the funny. It's just trying to make the show as funny as possible. And I think, uh, I mean, personally, I find like I, I would never be the kind of comedian who could be like, this is what I think about this and this is, you know. But why, why is that? Why do you say that? I don't know. I think there's like a coolness about that. There's something mm-hmm. like, hey, hey, guys, get a load sure. of my righteous opinions. And I was like, yeah. well, who wants to hear your righteous opinions? Like, I, I mean, personally for me to be funny, it's like I should just try to embarrass myself as much as possible. Yeah, okay, <laughs> okay. There's, I heard a quote that um, has been attributed to Eddie Izzard, which is, says that the job of a stand-up comedian is to go on stage and tell the audience as honestly as possible what a terrible person they are. Yeah. Which I, seems yeah. kind of parallel to I, that. I guess that's, yeah, kind of what I'm doing. And then maybe going a step further and making myself seem even worse than I am. Hopefully. I mean, hopefully. Because there are some okay. things that I say that I just are not true. This is some deeply offensive things how that did, I don't really think. How did you hit upon that? How did you hit upon that being your funniest self on stage, being embarrassing and being a jerk? I think it's just fun. It's just fun being a dickhead. And I like my favourite... <laughs> I guess my favourite comedy is, like, really silly comedy. Okay. And rather than, like, cool comedy, it's, like, silly comedy where people just look like idiots. Like, I loved things like Waiting for Guffman, like those Christopher Guest mm-hmm. movies when I was younger. And, like, obviously, like, the people who make those movies are super cool, but, like, the characters they play are ridiculous and idiots. And those were my, those were my favourite things. So I was like, oh, I just want to be a ridiculous idiot then. Okay. Yeah. And is that – so – does it ever, when you're, I think one of the reasons why I'm crap at being a clown is that's, and I think that's, there's a parallel there. It's about showing your, your idiocy. And mm. um, one of the reasons I'm crap at doing that is because I'm too self-conscious because I don't want to look like an idiot. I right. don't, don't want to look cool, but I at least want to yeah. get away dignity intact. Yeah. Is it ever, <laughs> Not me. No, is, it, is, it, is it ever painful? Is it ever kind of <laughs> difficult or embarrassing? Well, not, I mean... Not really, just because it's like, well, obviously I'm joking. People, I mean, and I know that that's not necessarily true. People think I am being serious some of the time. Mm. But it's like, if you think that, you're the idiot. I'm clearly joking. It's a comedy festival. It's a comedy show. It's all just, I'm trying to be funny. It's all on purpose. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, one of the things you do as, a, as, a, as your persona on stage is you often, in, in a lot of the shows I've seen, you... Um, you kind of part of that version of yourself is you're an you're an actress. You present yourself mm. as an actress who's using the show as a vehicle yeah. for your acting skills. Yeah. Where did that come from? Was that from I'm seeing someone actually actor, do that? Okay. And I think that's quite funny. <laughs> sure. I know. I well. I guess like you know the fact is I am a comedian and I'm in show business, but show business is so stupid and mm-hmm. it's like, and everyone's an idiot. <laughs> like I mean, there's something deeply embarrassing I think about anyone who's in show business because you're like you're just like you want to be a show-off and you want everyone to look at you and I think that's really silly and I think there's funny stuff in that no offense to it yeah I totally agree I totally you know, agree and I think uh you know I think we don't necessarily acknowledge how silly it is but like acting's really silly acting's so dumb so, you know, like I love, you know, I love stuff with actors in it. And I think actors are very, very good. Actors are very good. But there's something, I mean, there's just something very tragic and funny to me about acting okay. as a job. Because I wondered whether, have you seen, have you seen um, Zach Galifianakis's stand-up video? What was Ooh, that? What was that? Sort of a hydraulic explosion. Just open a bottle or something? <laughs> <laughs> um, it that is happens, getting pretty raucous in here. Every, <laughs> <laughs> that happens every time I mispronounce the complicated name <laughs> of the um, but he did a stand-up video called Live at the Purple Onion, which uh, was his stand-up video is interspersed with himself playing his twin brother on tour oh, with him. Oh, yeah, that's it's, so it's, funny. It's great, it's so brilliant, funny. but it also means that his DVD acts as a phenomenal actor's calling card. Right. And I did wonder whether you were an actress mm. and were kind of smuggling in, hey, isn't it funny, uh, you know, that uh, when people talk about what a great actress they are. But I'm <laughs> whether, whether there was an element of truth <laughs> to that. Um, no, no, I don't think there is. Like, I don't think I could ever be accused of doing good acting in my shows. I'm only really, <laughs> I'm only trying to do, I'm just trying to, I'm only ever trying to be funny. And so in the, in the telescope when I do, you know, I do a play, like, I'm terrible in the play. So mm-hmm. I play like a New York City cop. And it's like, well, that's, 
it's a terrible idea. And I just think that I just think that's quite quite funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So so where is this show in the in the life of this show? Is it have you is Pioneer happened for the first time in Edinburgh and then you're mm. going to take it to other festivals? Oh, it's very new. It's very okay. brand new. But just because it's of the all of the technical stuff in the show, it's impossible to preview it because mm. we couldn't set up the screens and stuff anywhere else. So. We didn't essentially like the first nine days were kind of like the tech rehearsals of the show. So sorry, so sorry if you came in the first nine days. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so it's very new because normally I would do the Melbourne Comedy Festival before Edinburgh and my show would be much more ready. Okay. Uh, but this time, because I lived here, I was like, well, I won't do Melbourne and I'll just get sure. the show ready for Edinburgh, which was a terrifying way to do it. Okay. Because there is, I mean, there's sort of, I'm, I have a burgeoning awareness of the kind of global festival circuit whereby mm. people try stuff out at the Perth Fringe and then the Adelaide oh, Fringe yeah. and then take it to Melbourne, then take it to Edinburgh and then maybe Canada and then Yeah, you can do that. I've only, I've only done uh, Melbourne, and, Melbourne and Edinburgh I, okay. and I did Melbourne than Edinburgh from 2010 to now, except for I didn't do Melbourne this year. But I'm sort of hoping I won't do that. Okay. Uh, um, next year. What's so? What's your your working life like? How are mm. you? How are you doing uh, without what is in any numbers? But how are you doing financially? Because a lot Not of great. people. Not great. No, okay. <laughs> what I was going to say, a lot of people who do kind of weird stuff mm. are also like a lot of people who do sketch shows. In my experience, are actors who basically get themselves a juicy commercial and then that supports them for the mm. rest of the year doing weird stuff. Or their stand-ups who can, you know, drive to Chichester on a Wednesday night and do a gig. Yeah. So how does that fit into you, given that it doesn't look like your show is easily breakable up into gigable segments? Yes, it's not at all, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I don't really make very much money. That's it. That's <laughs> that is a solution, yeah. <laughs> I just don't very, uh, you know, um, I, get a, I guess I earn some of my money from writing. So I get mm. developments to, you know, make things like the blaps or to write a script for you know, a production company or a channel and stuff like that. And then, uh, yeah, I, I just don't have very much money. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and does it does and that hopefully that will change at some stage because sure. I am not getting any younger. <laughs> does that, do you feel insecure about it, about your situation, or do you feel like things are where you want them to be? I think it, I mean, I, I just understand that the nature of, I mean, it's probably part of why I'm sort of, looking to not do the festivals next year because it is like once you decide to do Edinburgh that sort of maps out your year because you do you might do Melbourne before that and uh just the nature of my shows even if a lot of people come you can't make that much money from them because I guess the production is too expensive um which I don't I don't really mind I was gonna say a yet. lot of people that would hold them back mm. they go I've had this idea to do a screen that costs 10 grand or whatever it is you know yeah. to put the stuff together but if I do that, I won't make any money, so I won't do that. Yeah. And you don't seem unfettered by those kind of uh, practical concerns. I, yeah, I guess it's slowly dawning on me how that's <laughs> not a great idea. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry if it's me that's pointing this out to you. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I need to call my accountant. Um, no, I can't afford an accountant. Um, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really mind f for right now because... Mm. I just want to make a show that I would want to see, mm. you know, and so, and that's what I've been doing for the past few years. But I, I have realized that I can't do this forever. Okay. And I, you know, I'm going to need to try to get more work in television and stuff like that where they, I think they pay you, pay you don't money. they? They pay yeah. you money. So, yeah, so this is probably it, guys. <laughs> So do you think in your work there is, I mean, you mentioned things like uh, waiting for Guffman. Mm. Um, is there a comment in your work about the state of contemporary comedy? Because you said like the idea that showbiz is ridiculous. Mm. And there, there seems to be some stuff, like your, your work I think is very comedy literate. You've got quite a sophisticated... Like well, you know, thank you're, you. You're doing <laughs> jokes. It's quite meta as well. You, you know, you're doing jokes about kind of comedy tropes mm. as, as part of your jokes about showbiz tropes. Mm. So, what do you think the sort of the state of comedy is? Are you, are you kind of have? Do you think it's ridiculous? Like acting? Do you think it's sometimes? Like there are things about it that are, de are definitely ridiculous. But I wouldn't. Like what? What sorts of things? I don't know. Just like I guess like it's all very popular right now. And I, I don't know, I just think for anyone to think of like a comedian in a kind of cool rock star way is just so dumb. Mm. It is, you know, it's silly because it's like, and I, you know, I know that a lot of, <laughs> I, and I also see like 
the way women react to stand up, like male stand up comedians, mm. and it's like hilarious to me. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Why, why is that? You just pin, let's pin that down. Why, why, how do you mean? <laughs> Because, like, often often guys get into stand-up to, you know, because they're, like, insecure people. <laughs> you know, who, like, didn't have many girlfriends when they were teenagers. And then, you know, maybe they'll be quite good at stand-up comedy and they'll do, you know, they might be on TV or something and then mm. they can bang all the chicks they want. And then they go through a phase where they lose their minds. <laughs> And they abuse the power of being on the stage. That's all I'm saying. Is that so controversial? <laughs> That's not controversial mm. at all. There's, that, that, is, that is happening as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be having sex with every single one of you after yeah. the show. <laughs> so, but, so that came, and it, that almost brings me back to that clown thing. Is Do you feel that comedians shouldn't have those sorts of pretensions? Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it is like comedy has become like, you know, people said 20 years ago, comedy is the new rock and roll. Yeah. And comedy was always, or was it always, I, I guess I think of comedy as always about fools. It's about idiots. It's about yeah. pointing out that the emperor has no clothes and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And yet now there's this weird synthesis whereby you can don a, and this is harking back to an interview I did with Brendan Burns a couple of weeks ago, mm. you can put on a, you know, if you're in your 20s, you can put on a leather jacket and a headscarf and you can go, yeah, I'm fucking telling you my things. And yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm really, really rolling my eyes if you're a podcast listener. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's just so, like, that's just, like, that to me is very funny. Like, that person wearing the leather jacket with the bandana on their head, like, nothing they say will be funny to me, but just the idea that they're doing that is hilarious. <laughs> so so you go and see other stand-ups, sometimes to laugh at what they say and sometimes to laugh at them. I wouldn't really, I just wouldn't bother going to see a stand-up who okay. is, like, an edgy stand-up who's telling it like it is. No so who do you who do you admire in the world of stand up? I, I think like or sketch or you know mm, um, people like Tignataro. I think she's incredibly funny. Uh, I'm gonna just forget now. Bridget Christie is amazing. Yeah, yeah. you know uh, Josie Long's incredibly funny. Uh, Zach Zach Galifianakis is very very good. But you know I just like I like I like the idiots the idiots the idiot people are my favourites. Yeah. So Kroll show, that was a thing that was on at the beginning of the year, Nick Kroll's sketch show, and that's like, I thought that was incredible. Okay. Mm. Okay, excellent. Um, I've, I've not heard of that. How do you spell it? Kroll? K-R-O-L-L. Okay. Kroll. Mm. What a great word. Um, <laughs> I'd like to give uh, an opportunity for the audience, if that's okay, to ask some questions. Um, what normally happens now is there's a slightly eggy pause while the audience goes, oh, oh <laughs> I haven't thought of any. So I'll ask another question while you have a think. Um, do you feel that there are things in comedy that you would like to be able to do that you aren't currently doing in terms of like other strings to your bow? You know, are there oh. things you see other people like the, the people you've mentioned? Mm. You go, oh, that person is particularly good at this thing. Um, oh, do you mean like would I like to make a TV show? Or? No, I, not yeah. so much kind of ambition things so much as uh, kind of in the breadth of what's possible with comedy. Right. Do you see someone go, oh, they're really good at, I mean, a dumb example, like impressions or right. or finding observations that people agree with or... Yeah, I mean, I like I, the idea of, like, doing a show just with a microphone and nothing else. Like, that, of course, that's, like, that's appealing to me, but every time it gets to, like, time for me to write a show, I just never write that show. Sure, okay. Yeah, so I do admire that, absolutely. But then when it comes down to it, I never seem to want to do it. But maybe I just can't. Who knows? And do you, do you feel that your repeat fringes, do you feel you're cultivating your audience? I hope so. There's like a really dumb bit at the beginning of my show where as like, because I think it's a sort of a pretentious, ridiculous question to ask. I'm like, who has seen me before? Who's seen me do what I do? By show of applause. And then I'm always like, well, eh, not that many people. Yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> like you hope that people are coming back because that that's the best is when the people who really like you have found you and, they're the only people in the room, and then it's great. Yeah, so I hope, yeah, I, I, th I think I am a little, but then I guess by virtue of things like being at the Pleasance Courtyard where a lot of people just go to every single show that's on, mm. like you are getting people who have never seen me before, which is fine as long as you like what I'm doing, and if not, get out. <laughs> get out. No, it's fine. <laughs> are you happy? Am I happy? I think I am pretty happy, actually. Yeah. I'm not dark. No, you're not. Dark. I just, it's really nice. It's really refreshing to kind of go. Yep, 
you know, to speak to yeah. someone who's like, oh, no, I, I do this because it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. You it's seem fun. very mentally secure, like you said. We talk about kind of, you know, insecure. <laughs> surprisingly, very... <laughs> given your outputs, one might think. I'm very even keel. I think, I no, who knows? Like, you know, I get scared and I get worried. But I, yeah, and sometimes you're like, you get sick of doing it. And I'm like, oh, I just want to go home. I want to lie down. But I think that's just because I'm lazy. Um, yeah, I'm happy. Mm. And given given how weird your work can seem to an audience, yeah. how do you feel? How do you cope with the moments when you're doing something and it isn't working? You sort of thinking, well, this isn't working. Um, and sometimes it's just sort of funny if it isn't working. Sort of if it's your show and you know that like generally it works, and there's that these jokes that people do find these jokes funny on the whole, and then you're like, oh, this audience just is uh, does not like me at all but on the that's just funny if you're not trying out bits as you go on yeah. the first show when you're going bang here's the show oh yeah if bits don't work oh you, you like think, well this oh, doesn't Christ. work i should probably not do this part or okay. i should yeah make an effort to make this properly funny because it's not like everything i write is funny yeah yeah you it's yeah if it's preview and you're testing stuff out you're just like okay so during the preview process you're writing new stuff and swapping bits in and yeah yeah definitely but i did how many previews did i do for this show i did three previews for this show so it wasn't that helpful that, I sort yeah. of think that's what I'm getting at. Is it seems like if the preview process is short, yeah. you're trusting a lot of writing that you've done in advance. Yeah, because I'm amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, naturally. But then, uh, but then if those are if those elements are problematic, do you find yourself kind of pressing against an audience not going for it? Do you find that? Do you find it that the weight of that changes what you do? That you're sort of the, you, you that you worry about. You need to pull back, be be less odd, or mm. do you just kind of go nope, forge your head, total self belief. No, I mean, I, if something's not working, it's not working. Like, and then I'll and I'll take it out of the show, or I'll change it, and just because it might not say preview on the ticket, you know, it's still you can still change it every single day. The show's not on for twenty three hours of the day, so you can still keep changing it. Sure. Um, that thing. It's interesting you raise that thing of it. it maybe it doesn't say preview on the ticket, but yeah. in your mind, it's still a preview. Well, it's not in my mind. It's a preview, but it's still just like. Of course I can change it. I'm the only person on stage talking. So why? Sure. Yeah. Sure. I think um, what I'm getting at is I did an interview. I did one of these interviews with Phil Burgers, Dr. Brown. Oh, yeah. And uh, some Phil Burgers is a much funnier name than Dr. Brown. Phil Burgers right? is amazing. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, but he uh, he said in that interview, and it was quite contentious in the world of stand-up, I guess, so that people, or the, the, that part of the world of stand-up, that small part that listens to the show, mm. um, that he was saying the um, uh, that he basically was doing shows where he just makes work and improvises and sometimes it flies and sometimes it flops. Mm. And I think some people, some stand-ups have communicated to me their frustration at that, going, hey, man, what the hell does he think he's doing? If it doesn't say preview on the ticket, it's right. got to be, yeah. you know, your best stuff. Yeah, well, I'd say that's fairly intolerant attitude of those people who are saying, hey, man, that's not cool. I mean, everyone does everything their own way and I think that's fine. And I think if you go to a... A Dr. Burgers show. I'm sorry, Dr. Brown. <laughs> if you go to a Dr. Brown show, like uh, you know that he's going to be like, you know, he's going to be experimenting, and it may be incredible and it may be a disaster. Mm. But like, I think that's really what you, that's what you're signing up for if you're going to go see one of his shows. Mm. So to I totally agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, does anyone have a question? There's one over here. I'll just repeat that. Sure. Um, so uh, the show pioneer, this gentleman says, fantastic, best thing he's seen. Um, he'd love to see your other stuff. Mm. Does it exist in any other form that he can see it? Uh, thank you very much, firstly. And uh, it, no, no. <laughs> we, I mean, there is sort of like crappy DVD recordings of the shows, but no, absolutely not. Uh, well, I'm actually, I'm developing a script, but who knows if that will ever become a thing based on my first show, sort of for a sitcom idea, but that would be quite different to that show itself. Uh, so, no. Sorry. I did give uh, a monologue, like a little section of my first show to a 16-year-old girl for her, for her to do for her high school drama project, which I would have loved to have seen, but I never got to see it. Yeah. You if you're a 16-year-old girl, you can have some of it. You can have the script. <laughs> the question here is, you should do a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> 
thank thank you. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, I guess those blaps, the blaps I made for Channel Four, they're kind of. Oh, thank you very much. They're kind of documentary, almost. You know, they're just little travel videos, but they would have similar sort of stuff to documentary stuff. There, thank you for the hot tips. Thank you. <laughs> um, something I, I realised I hadn't asked before was you were. I'd heard that you worked with a director for Pioneer. Yeah, I didn't actually. That didn't you end didn't. up happening. Mm. That didn't happen. Okay, mm. fine. Yeah. Have you ever worked with a director or an outside eye on on your work, or is it is it the kind of like you no. do the stuff? There it is. Um, I do. I certainly like get friends to come to previews and stuff like that and then I sort of grill them uh yeah with questions afterwards but I've never had a director from like you're sort those. Of, you're kind of reappraising that or uh, repeating that situation where you said you kind of did the first show to two friends mm. so, so that was useful enough that you do it again along the well I wouldn't I wouldn't do it in front of two people I would just like get them to come to a oh, preview sure, okay. and then I would say is this all right? Is it going to be all right? And then they, and then they, you know, that that's very helpful. And I have, you know, certain friends whose opinions I respect a sure. lot, and then they can be very helpful. But I wouldn't sort of, you know, stand in a mirrored room with a man in a beret clapping while I run around in circles or anything <laughs> like that. Potential starting point yeah. for you, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. Uh, any other questions? Okay, so uh, some of these statements on racism or sexism, which mm -hmm. we're not going to divulge for the fear of giving <laughs> it away, which I think we can if you want to talk I'm about those. I'm fiercely pro both of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but was that was that was that what was the question? Was that deliberate? Yeah, sure is that yeah. something about you, you? This sort of is there a kind of a political or a social political edge kind of creeping in there? Is that a deliberate? I don't think it's really deliberate. I think it's just like the things that you're thinking about, and so then they're just in the show, and they're really silly jokes about those things. So yeah. It, w it was not deliberate, but yes, there are some things about those things in the show. So we're, we're talking about the role of improv yes. in, uh, in your shows, whether you use that in the, in the process or in the show themselves, given the technical requirements. Yes, it plays no role. <laughs> there is a, there, I mean, there is in terms of like sometimes I talk to the audience a little and, you know, if things, if things go wrong technically, I'll sort of try to make that funny. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, don't, I don't do improv... It's just, I'd feel, I think it's a skill beyond me. And uh, yeah, so n no role. <laughs> Improv plays no role. Yeah. Okay, anyone else? Uh, there's yeah, two here, we'll go that lady first. Um, given your sort of views on show business and acting, <laughs> silly and hilarious, would you, would you con ever consider a serious role? Like what would be your reaction if someone offered you a serious acting role? Would you would you consider a serious acting role if someone were to offer you one? Uh, it w I would if it were good and I thought I could do it, but I that has yet to happen, <laughs> and I I, that, I I sort of can't imagine a situation where that would happen. Just that anyone would be like, well, out of all of the properly trained actors and qualified people in the world, we're going to go with this comedian. <laughs> I think that's happening more and more. I think a lot of actors would be would express with some frustration the amount of casting breakdowns that go around with the uh, must-have comedy skills comedian. Right. And similarly, comedians will be frustrated by the amount of actors who will do one gig and then go, comedian, tick, yeah. on, their, on their CV. Yeah, I think everyone should just get along. But I'm obviously... <laughs> <laughs> there was a, another question over there. Great question there, an unforgivably American-centric question. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, would you view, is the festival circuit an end in itself, or would you, like a lot of people, a lot of American comics, view mm. the festival shows as a springboard to, for example, SNL or movies and stuff like that? Uh, well, uh, the goal is not, you know, to get to America or anything like that. I don't have a, but no offence, I think no. America is a very lovely place. <laughs> and I, I would be happy to work there if that happened. I mean, I just, w I do just want for comedy to be my proper job. And it is, but like I said before, I ain't making much money. <laughs> mm. So, um, but like, you know, I just, and in terms of like the festival circuit and how that plays into it, that's just a really good way to get started. So, you know, I wanted to do comedy and it's like, well, if you want to do comedy, you can sign up and do a festival and then you get to do a comedy show and so when, people when, come to it. But so when, when, you, when you say get started, what is, mm -hmm. what is the next goal? What's the next thing that now you are started? Yeah. What is it that you want? What, 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 what would be your ideal next 10 years of your career? Um, I just want to be a really nice man. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, uh, I just, I mean, I mean, it sounds, it probably sounds... Uh, gauche or something like that but um you know I want to earn the money of an adult 
that, you know, <laughs> that an adult earns for their job. And I think that probably means doing something like working in television. And I really enjoyed making those videos for Channel 4. And if making television is like that but more, then I would love to do that. Okay. Mm. Is that, that doesn't sound... Uh, and I don't mean this to be critical at all, it doesn't sound strategic so much no. as you're chucking yourself in and just seeing what there is. Yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, I just, I love doing comedy and I want it to and I want it to be my job. And sort of, yeah, it's like whatever that entails. But, you know, there were things that I learned doing those videos for Channel 4, which was like, oh, I really love, like, which, which I didn't really expect. I did a sketch show in Australia and it was fun, but I was the only person in the sketches, so it was a mm. bit like fun on my own and then making those videos for channel four i got to it was like i got to work with other great comedians and it was like being on set was incredibly fun and you know i had a great director and a great producer and i was like oh this is actually super fun sure and you know the best bit they send a car to pick you up in the morning (laughs) (laughs) that is incredible 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 um i think that's pretty much all we've got time for if anyone has any sort of burning issues left that we could quickly fit in uh, but other than that, ladies and gentlemen, please join me in thanking Claudia O'Doherty. Thank you very much. So that was Claudia. Thank you so much to her for coming along. Thank you to everyone that was involved with the run at the Edinburgh Festival last year, uh, from all the staff at the Gilded Balloon, everyone that helped with the show, James Lowey and Pete Jones, of course, for sound and video. Uh, Thanks to Olivia Phipps for the Podmin for this episode. Thank you very much, Olivia. Uh, You're new on board. It's very lovely to have you helping out. Uh, This episode was co-produced by Nathan Wood. Next week, Carey Marks live from the New Zealand International Comedy Festival 2014. Obviously it is. I'm just saying it now because it's... You know, that's what it says on all the banners that I'm looking at out the window. Uh, I can't wait. Please come along and see my show uh, and go and see some... If you're in New Zealand, you would be missing out if you didn't come and make a pilgrimage to Auckland or Wellington and check out some incredible shows here. Hopefully, I'm going to be speaking to some comics that you may or may not have heard of before uh, and like I did in Melbourne, bringing back some, uh, some exciting new interviews to release to you over the coming months. That's it for now. I'm going to go back to desperately writing He-Wolf, which opens tomorrow night. Goodbye.